Wake up, NHL fans. It is Wednesday, and we've got a loaded morning cup of hockey for you today. We're going to be joined by Shane Pinto from the Ottawa Senators off the hop. We're going to talk about the Rangers' loss last night in San Jose, which had a controversial non-call in overtime. Then we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning being all the way back. And then to finish it off today, we're going to talk about if NHL goalies are underpaid, because there's been a lot of debate on social media as of the last couple of days. But before we get into that, Alongside Kobe Cohen, I'm Johnny Lazarus. Kobe, what's going on? I can't stop laughing this morning. I'm in a great mood. Yeah, I'm excited. So ruin it for me. Ruin it. We're we're <laughs> we're gonna get Shane Pinto on here in the next couple of minutes, and you know, obviously, something that I'm looking forward to. He he's been, you know, the talk of the town as of late. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that has certainly been in the news this season for for you know unrelated issues. So it it'll be a good opportunity to to get to have a conversation with him and, and, you know, see what he's been up to and, and kind of how the whole thing went down. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to that, Johnny. And, and, you know, a little cherry on the top, obviously scores a good, you know, a, a big goal for his team last night. I'm sure uh, everybody saw that it was all over social media. The, you know, the reactions were, were pretty awesome from his teammates. So uh, I'll have to give you credit for once and even give you credit publicly. Cause you know, you, you know, Shane, you guys are both, Long Island boys and and uh, you asked him to come on and and he was nice enough to agree. So now let's just hope he doesn't stand us up and then you look like an idiot. Yeah, that'd be pretty embarrassing. But I've been pulling the weight on this show a lot lately, just getting guests left and right. Kobe's sitting there in his home in his basement, just watching Carlos Alcaraz. And uh, Shane actually did text me. I keep joining and it keeps doing this. There's an error. So let's try to fix that. Um, <laughs> let me send him the link one more time. Or I'll get our producer on it. But uh, Kobe, Ottawa Senators 4-1-1 in their last six. Are they all the way back? You're such an idiot about this situation. And while I am excited to have Shane on, I don't believe that they are all back. Um, and if he were already on, I would say the same thing. Uh, I think the Ottawa Senators played themselves out of this thing a long time ago. I'm not uh, exactly expecting the, the St. Louis blues second half comeback and uh, all the way to a Stanley cup championship coming out of Ottawa, just based on the fact that, you know, I, I just don't think that they, they have the group right now. I don't think that they have the right coach in place right now. I think there's just been too much turmoil around the organization, but listen, you have a hockey fan in Mark, uh, excuse me, you have a, a hockey team in the Canadian market. I think you want to see them do well. I think we all know the passion for hockey fans that come out of the city of Canada, no matter which city that you're in. So look, I think it's always good to have good Canadian teams and, and Canadian teams that are involved in the playoff picture in the cup hunt. Uh, I obviously wouldn't put Ottawa in that grouping. Um, well, that was a pretty good voice crack by yep. me, but, um, but like I said, I know that you see they're four, one and one over their last six games. They are having a little bit of success. Uh, I always root for Claude Giroux. Um, you know, I, I got to, to cover the Flyers and do TV for them in Philly uh, to, in, in some of the final seasons that he played there and and just being around the city for a long time. Um, he's an easy guy to root for. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they're back. I think you're going to continue to die on that hill consistently on social media because you're just doing it to be an idiot. Um, but ultimately, uh, <laughs> you, so do you think that they're, they're coming back? 
I don't think they're going to come back, but I still think they'll like be competitive. I don't think they're going to stay this bad for the rest of the year. There's a lot of hockey to be played. Like, I think they'll make a little bit of noise and go on, you know, like I could see them going on like a, you know, 10, two and one kind of run or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just well, like they also have a little some, bit. They have some interesting decisions to make. I mean, we had Frank on our show yesterday talking about Jacob Chikrin. I mean, look, I feel like every season the NHL plays, we talk about Jacob Chikrin being traded for how many years now? It's like one of the the favorite topics of, of the NHL every season. And it so rarely happens. Um, and I'm pretty sure he came out yesterday and kind of, you know, slammed the trade rumors that maybe he wasn't happy or that the, the shininess of playing in your hometown has worn off. But I mean, they do have pieces. Look at Sanderson. I mean, he, he's a guy who is going to be up for the Norris trophy at some, uh, at, at some point over the next couple of seasons. Like he is certainly that talented of a guy and you can see him kind of working into that true elite number one defenseman. And, and look, they just got Shane Pinto back that, that obviously is a huge help to their lineup in Ottawa. And then, you know, there, there's certainly, um, you know, some guys who like Giroux, those those veteran pieces that they've put around them. So I I think that's probably why people thought they would be better this season, um, obviously. And uh, it it hasn't quite happened yet, Johnny. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on this thing, but I I don't think like you think that they're going to have some, you know, miraculous turnaround. Well, also just to kind of be specific about the Jacob Chikrin thing, he said it's fine to talk about his name, whatever he understands how that works. But the rumor that he was no longer enjoying being in Ottawa, that's where he said, I think it's ridiculous. Um, So he just wanted to put that to bed that he's like unhappy, which he's not. So I think that's what all the the news and, and the hoopla was about yesterday with Jacob Chikrin. So uh, we'll put that one to rest, but I also do want to read some stats that I got from Ross Levadon from the locked on senators podcast who DM me just about Shane Pinto this morning. He said the Sens are 35 and five all time when Shane Pinto gets a point and they're 18, eight and one when all of Stutzla Norris Pinto play in the same game. It's insane. They've only played 27 games together. Pinto is legit an X factor. It's insane. So they're two and all right now with Pinto back in the lineup, but we are having some technical issues right now. Shane is texting us trying to get on here. So we're well, not Johnny, trying to hold it, you guys up. It, it looks like we have to take a quick break here um, and, and, you know, reset our, our, uh, our streaming platform. And then uh, we will rejoin, let's say in the next 30 seconds to a minute, hopefully, um, and, and get this going again. Uh, because, there's some sort of issue, I guess, with the the link that we have sent Shane. So we're going to just step aside here uh, for the next, let's say, 30 to, to 60 seconds. We'll, we'll be right back um, and we should be right back with Shane Pinto. So stay tuned here. Sorry, we're working on it. Um, and uh, we'll see you soon here in a second. Welcome back to Morning Cup of Hockey. We're still working on getting Shane in here. Just, uh, you know, he's in the parking lot right now getting ready for practice. So there's some phone issues with the link and everything, but we're going to do our best to get him on here. Didn't mean to tease that for everybody. Uh, We are texting him right now. So hopefully it gets figured out. Um, You know, we are not the tech people here. He's a hockey player. He scores goals and uh, hopefully he comes on soon. But do you want to move on to the Sharks Rangers while we wait for Shane Kobe or just kind of stick to the Iowa Senators here? Listen, I, I think that's that's your game to talk about. I know you were up late watching that West Coast game. I woke up and had about 
17 text messages with you, uh, excuse me, from you about that hockey game. But, you know, look, the Sharks, excuse me, the Rangers have been trending in the wrong direction here for a while. I mean, this, this has been uh, not just a two week span. Um, you're watching them every single night. I, I don't. I mean, what what's going wrong right now in New York? What what is with this whole you know downturn? I guess you would say of this team that looked like they were really the best team in the NHL for a while. Well, before we even started the show today, there was a comment in the chat from Benny Marlowe that said fire Laviolette. So I don't think that's the answer. Uh, um, Peter Laviolette's done a great job, but this team right now, what happened from the beginning of the year to where we currently sit, the Rangers in the first twenty games. They were defending well. They were tight in their checks. They were getting saves and the offense was scoring goals. Right now, the offense is generating chances. They're not scoring. And the D zone is so loose that they're leaving the goalie out to dry constantly. But then again, they're not getting the saves. Igor Shosturkin has shown time and time again in his career that he can step up and make the saves when the team needs it. Even make the saves that he probably shouldn't make. But over the last, you know, 15, 20 games, it seems like every puck that he should be stopping is going in. And, and granted, there's been, you know, maybe one to three games where he stood on his head. Like he played well against the Kraken, played well against the Capitals. But these aren't teams that have such offensive firepower that are really that threatening. So it's like this weird situation where the Rangers were so consistent in the beginning of the year. You knew exactly what you were going to get every single night. You, you knew what you were going to get from the effort. You knew what you were going to get from Panarin and Lafreniere and Trocek. And now you have no idea what team is going to show up. This West Coast trip was terrible. Um, just just really deflating, uh, you know, past few weeks, even, even maybe months for the New York Rangers after what felt like a very promising start to the season. Well, look, Andrew Raycroft was on here a week or two ago talking about goaltending being more situational and, and almost less about the individual. We know Shesterkin is a good goaltender. So, you know, what what kind of situations is he facing? Like, I mean, how how careless have they been with the puck? Is he is he, you know, is is there too much pressure being put on him? Is that catching up to him? Um, you know, do do the Rangers need to be splitting more of the action between him and Jonathan Quick and giving him, you know, more rest days? Maybe I, I don't really know. I mean, look, this is why you have to get out to a good start uh, and why you have to be in a playoff position come Thanksgiving because, you know, chances are you could run through an issue like this and and you know the Rangers have been able to weather it, stay in the top three in the Metro, but. Again, you shouldn't be giving up a point to the San Jose Sharks. Now we've seen, you know, coaches, I, we've seen coaches lose their job for giving up points to San Jose and Chicago this year. So uh, seems like there's some problems in New York, some things that they may ultimately need to address um, come trade deadline. Because look, you know, as a team, you, you don't want to peak in you know, November, December, January, like now is when you want to start that climb uphill, Johnny. Now is when you want to start uh, seeing your team continue to improve and get better in areas late in games and holding leads and managing the puck. You almost have to start kind of having your eyes on playoff hockey. We're, we're less than 90 days out from the end of the season. I mean, it's kind of hard to believe. I think I saw something like 87 days until the end of the season. Wow. Um, it's it's really you know it's it's time to start trending in the right direction you don't have to be like the oilers and win for you know go on the the insane heater that they're on but uh i i don't know man i i think the rangers are playing some uninspired hockey um i think some of their their top end players clearly need to be better 
Um, and I mean, I, Panarin's I, been amazing, but oh, I understand. Kreider, those guys. Exactly. They, they, they need to, you know, they need to pull this team out of it. You know, you can't expect your fourth line, your, your bottom players to, to pull you out of a stretch where your team is, is, you know, playing ugly. I mean, they are, they're, they're, they're playing ugly hockey. And we've seen some powerful quotes from some coaches over the last couple of days, um, whether it was Lane Lambert before he got fired, whether it was, um, uh, Bruce Cassidy the other day saying, you know, they're playing a little bit disrespectful, like it's beer league. Well, now you're you're seeing the Rangers kind of play that way. They really are. I mean, the turnovers at the blue lines, um, the 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 you know, the hope plays that they're making, you know, the 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 way they're defending. Listen, defending's a mentality, Johnny. So um I I, I don't know. I, I think there's trouble in New York and and it seems to be getting worse. Well, here's what I want to ask you also, because, at, you know, you're a defenseman. I'm a forward. I think sometimes we have different perspectives on things, but the Rangers are the worst team in the NHL against the rush. And a lot of people are blaming the defense for that. I think a lot of it has to do with the forwards getting back. The Rangers aren't a quick enough team to risk a lot offensively and then get back defensively. And it's costing them with the odd man rushes against. And that's a huge reason why they're losing games too, because teams continue and continue to score on the rush. So it's been you know, a lot of blame toward the decor and toward the blue line, but I think a lot of it really hinders on the forwards getting back. And Thomas Hickey, a friend of the show who came on the other day, actually had a really good breakdown of how important the F3 is. And maybe that's something that the Rangers have to focus on more too, is just having a better F3 and staying above the puck. Yeah, look, I, I uh, uh, Peter Laviolette is, is an experienced guy. I got to think he knows the right levers to pull. I know recently, you know, had to, had to sit Nick Benino down one of their, you know, sole guys. Um, uh, but it, it's, uh, it, it, the work is not, you know, they, they've got their work cut out for them in New York. I, I really do. I, I think there's problems. I really do. I, I think this has become more than a, a slump and it's become a trend for them. So I think they're one of these teams like Vegas, like LA, um, that had great starts to the season. And, um, you know, wouldn't you wouldn't think that these were the same teams that we saw a couple of months ago. So um, we'll see what happens, Johnny. I know you'll be watching them incredibly close. Uh, it's a team you cover pretty much consistently. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the the all-star break and and the the bye week is is probably coming at the right time for the New York Rangers. Well, also, there's a controversy last night, too, in the game. And and I just want to address this. Shane just texted us. Uh, we're going to have to reschedule with Shane Pinto. Technical difficulties here. And he's got to head into the rink for a meeting. So we're really sorry about this. It's just unfortunate that these things happen. But, you know, again, Shane is a good friend of the show. Uh, he wanted to do this. He's texting us. And we will get him back on. So sorry, Senators fans, if you're tuning in and you wanted to hear from Shane. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I, these I promise you we're, we're disappointed too. I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I've never met Shane before. I was really looking forward to talking to him and, and asking him some of these questions. So, um, I, I share, I share the, dis I think we all share your disappointment right now. So we, we do apologize. Yeah. I, I'm pretty bummed myself, but the Ranger game last night, the Sharks, um, and we're not going to talk too much about this game, but there was a lot of controversy in overtime. Jan Ruta, the defenseman, sets three picks, three picks in three-on-three -three overtime. And listen, we've seen a, a lot of picks be set in the NHL before. One that I think of is John Tavares in Game 7 against Tampa Bay Lightning that gets called back, and the Leafs you know, could have gone on to win that game. It would have been the tying goal, I believe, at the time. You know, And, and we've seen a lot of 
picks get called, picks get non-called, but let's just watch the overtime goal last night and take an eye or keep an eye on 84 in Teal who hops off the bench right now after this cutback. His first pick is right there on Zibanejad, totally clean, but watch this one. Totally steps in the way of Alexi Lafreniere, and then he comes across the entire ice and sets another pick on Mika Zibanejad who loses his stick. He goes after it, then Ruda's wide open for the backdoor pass to set up the overtime winning goal. I mean, Listen, maybe I'm a biased Ranger fan here, Coley, but is that not a ridiculous sequence of setting picks? I mean, you can hold your ground, you can own your ice, but this is just going out of the way to interfere. Am I crazy here? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the first one, he kind of just comes off and, and you know, holds his lane and and um, and it's more of a little bit of a, you know, skate, skating in the same way and just kind of holding your ice. Um, I thought the second one was was... You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the pucks are already passed him. Like, what are you doing there? Especially three on three. There's a lot of ice, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, that none of these were called. Um, you know, I think this one where he, where he comes across the ice and runs into him and takes his stick again, like it is a little bit surprising. And then it's funny. He, he, Jan Ruda, the overtime winner. <laughs> guy who's not, not really known for his offense, um, you know, makes a pretty heady play there on that backdoor pass. So a couple of, couple of blown calls there in overtime, but what, what are the Rangers doing? Getting a, letting the San Jose sharks get to overtime. Anyway, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta put teams like that away. Well, also I got to ask you because there was a lot of blame last night on Mika Zibanejad for the overtime goal against Kobe's tuning into the Alcaraz match right now. I can see it on his face. have won. Oh no, it's over. Yeah. No way. Um, we're, we're big tennis people on here. So uh, Kobe and I like to talk tennis every now and then the Australian open going on, but Mika Zibanejad got a lot of blame for that overtime winning goal against because he gets interfered with. He then goes after his stick. And I know we've kind of talked about it. You and I about players losing their stick in the D zone. Sometimes, you know, this, this scenario is a little bit different. If a stick breaks, I think you always go to the bench and grab it. I don't care if it takes seven to 10 seconds. It takes you out of the play. Go grab your stick. You're, you're better off defending with a stick in your hands than without one. And that's what Mika Zibanejad's probably thinking in his mind. I can't defend three on three without a stick because then it's basically a three on two, which it essentially was. But I, I still think he makes the right read there as opposed to just sitting back and defending with no stick. I don't think the result is really going to change that much. Yeah, look, I think especially, um, especially on a penalty kill when a guy breaks his stick or a goalie, excuse me, when a goalie loses his stick, I don't know why we rush to give a goaltender a, a player stick goaltender can, can play without a stick. I know it's not ideal, but I think it's less ideal for a player not to have a stick, especially with how important stick positioning has become in the NHL and taking away passing lanes. So, um, three on three, kind of all bets are off. I I tell the manager, he needs to hold on to his stick there. You can't let a guy kind of take your stick out of your hands like that. And you know, we saw why. So again, Rangers are in trouble. Uh, not a pretty way to finish. I, I, I'm sure Lavi, you know, had had a lot to say about that. Um, was probably not real happy. I was not up that late, as you know. I know you were watching it, but mm-hmm. one game I did watch last night, Johnny, was was the Philly Tampa game. Um, and look, man, the the Lightning are, are are starting to play good hockey. They really are. I mean, they're 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 starting to get a lot of saves from their star goaltender. Uh, you know, the premier star goaltender in the NHL. I mean, I guess Connor Hellebuck and and Thatcher Demko certainly belong in that conversation as well. But you know, the 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 multi dimensional 
Tampa Bay Lightning are are starting to look like them their old selves. Braden Point, uh, you know, never disappoints. Kucherov had had three and one last night. He reached eighty points already. Um, Insane. 47 games, 80 points. Yeah, I mean, he gets himself onto a list with guys like McDavid, Crosby, you know, fewest fewest games to to reach 80 points. Gretzky's on the list, Lemieux's on the list. So, you know, that's pretty elite company right there. And and I think the Lightning, you know, we we we're talking about teams that are trending the wrong way. I think the Lightning are a team that that Johnny seems to be trending the right way. Yeah, and they were a team that everyone was, you know, kind of curious about this year, including me. I counted them out when Vasilevsky went down and he missed two months of the season due to surgery. But, you know, I, I think Nikita Kucherov, we've talked about the MVP a little bit on here with Mike Rupp last week, but Nikita Kucherov right now has to be running away with it. And I think, you know, what impresses me most about Kucherov is that, sure, he's a great player on the power play and five on four, but this guy's got 44 even strength points. Like, you know, he's right there with Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon has 48. and you know, a lot of people want to talk about how some of these guys are just so dynamic and so elite on the power play and they don't really produce as much at five on five, but Kucherov does it all. Like he is, he is such a fun player to watch. And I don't think he ever gets talked about enough in the regular season. We always talk about him in the playoff time when the lightning go on a run, but I, I, I can't say he's underrated because that'd be a ridiculous comment, but like he is not talked about nearly enough. Like even years prior, you know, prior to this year, what he's doing. I think one of the reasons is, is you don't see Tampa Bay on, on, uh, you know, ABC on Sundays all that often or, or Saturdays, you know, you, you see the Rangers, you see the Bruins, you see, you know, the, the, the Northeast markets a little more Johnny. So that's probably one of the reasons or maybe, maybe, um, but he, he, look, he's dragged his team along this year when they weren't playing well, he's kept his team around the playoffs when they didn't have Vasilevsky. Um, you know, I've said, at times I thought Braden point has been their best player over the last couple of years, but that hasn't been the case this year. Kucherov has been their best player and I'm not sure there's a player in the NHL, you know, and, and you know, look, Patrick Kane's probably not probably Kane Kane's on the back nine of his career. Obviously. I think that's a safe and fair assumption to make, but other than, you know, front nine, Patrick Kane, how many guys have the poise around the net? in the high danger areas that that Kucherov does. I mean, when he works the flank or he's around the hash marks, his ability to to fake a shot and just draw attention and then lay one across or put one into Stamkos or point, um, it, it's incredible. Like he is cold-blooded around the net, you know, not just as a shooter, but as, as an elite passer. I mean, I, I've only ever really felt like Patrick Kane could could do those types of things on the half wall or the flank of the power play would probably be a better way to describe it at the top of that, you know, the, the top side of that umbrella. So he he's dragging that team along. I say Vasilevsky, who's been a little bit up and down since he came back finding his game. I think that's fair ha- has started to solidify his play. His last eight starts uh, he's a 906, 943, 909, 950, 900, 909. One blip against Boston uh, with a 769, and then a 957 against Minnesota. So, you know, he he's been you know really really solid now for eight games that he's played. His last eight starts, um, and, and I think that's where that goalie conversation starts to creep in, Johnny. And you you talk about elite goaltenders in the NHL. Winnipeg has one, um, and. and 
I'm like true elites, you know, there, there's some different categories and how good these guys are, but with Vasilevsky back on the top of his game, I, I'm going to go ahead to you and say, Johnny, I, I see this team, you know, winning playoff rounds and pushing and making a run when, when he's playing this game. Do, do you see that out of this team? I don't know. I don't think their bottom six is as strong as it was when they won those cups. I mean, even, even their top six right now, like, I, I don't think it's a scary roster. Um, you know, so they have Sam Coast, Point, Kucherov, <laughs> Sorelli. Um, I, I see better. Edmund, I, I mean, I see better Berkachev. top six out there, though. There's there's better teams. There are on paper, at least. You know, like you can't discredit what Tampa's done. You know, on the ice. Obviously, the games are played on the ice, but you look on paper. Uh, you consider Tampa Bay like a top seven team in the NHL on paper. I didn't say I, I I consider them a top seven team. I didn't even say I consider them a Stanley Cup contender. I said I can mm-hmm. see them winning rounds in the playoffs. I, I to me they don't look like a a team that's going to limp into the playoffs in a wild card position and and you know lose in the first round. This looks like a team that would probably knock out the Toronto Maple Leafs if that shakes itself out and they end up playing against each other. Which I know that's like not yeah. that, that's old news. But let me ask you this question: We talked about their players. Is there a better coach in the NHL than John Cooper? Is there, is there a better guy once playoffs start to have behind your bench than John Cooper? Definitely not. I mean, John Cooper is the longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. He's been winning for, you know, what feels like a decade. Has it been 10 years since he took over? It has been, must be, right? Because they went to the cup final in 2015. Yeah, he's been there for probably, I don't want to guess, but probably 12 years. Maybe we have someone in the chat uh, fact check us on that. Um, also, we will take questions in the chat too. But yeah, John, John Cooper, you know, far and away the best coach in the NHL. And uh, it's the consistency, even when the guys are hurt. I mean, he's, we talked about Kucherov before. Kucherov has missed a ton of regular season time and comes in the playoffs and then dominates. But like, you still have to coach those regular season games without your best player. And that's not something that's easy to do in the NHL is win games without your top scorer and without your best player. So you know, that's a lot of credit to John Cooper and what he's been able to do for Tampa in the regular seasons and those years after winning Stanley Cups, keeping guys healthy, making sure everything's clicking the right way. I mean, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Sure, they win last night, but they're struggling right now with injuries and everything going on in that organization after winning the Stanley Cup last year. And not to get off topic on Tampa, but like these are real life situations where, you know, you have to deal with the cards that are dealt to you. And a lot of that goes to coaching when. Um, you know, those things happen. So yeah, John Cooper, I mean, you know, maybe like you could throw in Rod Brindamore, um, but he hasn't won, you know? So I, I like, that's the coach so I feel then, like everyone so kind of goes to. You've got the best coach in the NHL. You've got the, the, the best player right now in the NHL in Kucherov. You've got Victor Hedman. He's the best defenseman in the NHL, right? You, or, mm-hmm. or one of them, right? Um, you know, obviously Kale McCarr. I mean, look, we're not, we're not debating who, but I'm just saying like, you've got a Steven Samkos who who's playing for a contract. Who's hungry. Um, Braden point never disappoints. Sorelli's been there. He's won. Sergachev's been there. He's won. You know, they're going to try to bring in some depth. You know, they, they have Tanner's, you know, they, they gave up a, a lot to get him, but he's a good solid player for them. I don't know, man. Like you're, you're, you're not in love with their roster and I'm, I'm, I'm reeling off a lot of high, high end players with a lot of winning experience. And I, I just think that that makes them dangerous and, and watching that game against the flyers last night, 
uh, a team that has been incredibly structured and incredibly disciplined, although they've given up 18 goals in their last three games, which is very unlike them. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, they, they, they pulled the flyers out of their structure. They both had a game plan and, you know, I think the speed, the offensive creativity, the attention to detail that Tampa has pulled kind of the flyers out of their game. And, and so, um, look, I, I think that's that's a team that's probably now trending uh, in the wrong direction. They've lost three in a row. They've given up 18 goals. I don't think that they're um, I, I don't think that they're in trouble yet. I'm not ready to say that yet in Philadelphia, but certainly not a trend that you like uh, to see. Mm-hmm. And Olivia Cooper did just say that John Cooper has been in Tampa since March 2013. So thank you for that. Uh, Cause I couldn't figure out the time frame when he first got there. Um, but you know, you look at the Philadelphia flyers, it's interesting because they have guys that are just bought in. Right. And, and that's such a difference in the NHL. Like you see teams, the top end talent, you see teams, you know, like we're talking about Tampa. We've talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We just talked about the New York Rangers before when a team is bought in, does it matter the skill set in the NHL that you have? Like how, how far can it really take you is my question, Cole, because you know better than me, like the NHL is, is the best in the world. It's the best players in the world. And I'm sure you need teams that have a ton of high end skill. But when you have guys that are on the same page, like, like could a team like Philadelphia potentially even win a playoff round? Like, do you really believe that? No, I don't. I, I don't think they can win a playoff round. I just don't. I don't think that they have the experience. Um, you need I think a game once, breaker at some point, right? I think once team, it's look, Carolina hasn't won. They're bought in. Okay. They don't have a super, super star. They, they're full of really good players and they've got some, you know, very good players, but, but they don't have that game breaking superstar. And I think that costs them in the playoffs every year. So I think, you know, if, if that's the argument, then, then that's, that, that's my argument back. Look at Carolina. So, I think the Flyers have done a great job this year. I, I think they're going to continue to be competitive. I do think they'll have to make some moves. They do have to continue to look into the future. Um, but, you know, ultimately, no, I, I don't see them as a team that that's going to, you know, make noise in the playoffs. They'll be a hard out. I don't think anybody will walk through them, but, but they will certainly um, be a hard out. And, and, you know, do I think they'll make the playoffs for sure? Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't see it as a guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs. I really don't. They'll fight tooth and nail, but I, I wouldn't be willing to guarantee it. Absolutely not. And another player I just want to bring up that hasn't been talked about as much. And the Florida Panthers have been rolling as of late. A lot of talks been Sam Reinhart. Uh, there's, you know, an underappreciated guy is Gustav Forsling. A family friend, Gary Tucker, texts me every day. Please mention Forsling. But Matthew Kachuk, last 10 games, eight goals, 10 assists, 18 points. We talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and you said, you know, they ramp it up come playoff time. But I still think the Florida Panthers, like, we haven't really talked about the Battle of Florida the last couple of years. That's become one of the best rivalries in the NHL. The Florida Panthers, I'm, I'm taking them over the Tampa Bay Lightning, like, any day of the week. Are, are you on the same page? No, I, I wouldn't say any day of the week. I think that would be a great series. In a seven-game um, series? Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean like a regular season game, just to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be a great series. And and I I I still to this day have a a very difficult time betting against Andre Vasilevsky in a seven game series. I just do. I've seen what goaltending can do for a team. I saw Tim Thomas do it in 2011 up up close and personal. Um, you know, he he made a he made a really good team, really great. Um, you know, and or a great team elite. 
Um, you know, goaltending can do that. And, and especially over the course of a series where you're seeing the same team night in and night out, you're game planning. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of intricacies in the playoffs with, with systems and, and, you know, shutting things down and tendencies and this and that. So I hope we, we at some point get to see that battle for Florida in a playoff series again, especially now that it's tilted back in the Panthers way, they've been phenomenal this year. Um, I know people love Gustav Forsling. We've seen people kind of shit on us saying, oh, you don't watch the Panthers if you don't <laughs> think Gustav Forsling is their best defenseman. I don't think that uh, even at his best, he's still not capable as, as playing as well as some of the other players. I also think you have to remember um, that Montour and Ekblad were injured for a while. It can take a couple months to get your legs, to get your feet under you to really feel good. Um, and I think those guys will just continue to push and, and get better as things move along. But again, I, I go back to this goaltending, 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 Vasilevsky versus Bob. I just, I, you know, I, 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 I'm not saying the Florida Panthers aren't a better team. I, I just wonder like in that series, like if we saw that, who, who you trust in more and, and, you know, we've seen different versions of Bob over the last number of years and we haven't, uh, really seen different versions of Vasilevsky. So I think that kind of leads us perfectly, Johnny, in, into our mm -hmm. next discussion about goaltenders. And I know you sent me that clip yesterday, um, you know, uh, that, that was going around the internet uh, about goaltending and, and really are, are goaltenders not getting paid? Are they the new running backs of, of, of hockey? And, and it's something we probably don't necessarily agree on. Well, it was Jeff Merrick and Mike Kelly that were talking about it on Sportsnet 590, the fan. They were talking about if goaltenders get paid enough. And Kevin Weeks actually, uh, almost about an hour ago, said that the Chicago Blackhawks are planning on signing Peter Morozik to a two-year north of $8 million contract, which you know is, is a pretty significant amount of money for a goaltender. Here's my thing. Alan Walsh, and you quote tweeted it, compared goalies to uh, quarterbacks and to... Uh, what was the other position in sports? Now I'm blanking on it. Running backs. And no, there was another sport that he brought in as relief, well. Relief pitchers. Relief pitchers. That's what it was. It was baseball. Goalies, I, I would say they're more similar to pitchers than running backs or quarterbacks. Th those guys play every game. Pitchers don't pitch every game. Goalies don't play every game. Goalies are asked to do a lot, certainly. Pitchers are asked to do a lot, certainly. But I don't think in any world, a goaltender should be paid more than a top four defenseman. I think top four defense and and maybe you can cut me off there or you want to let me go. I don't know how you feel about that, but you can bury yourself. Go ahead. If you're a top four D man in the NHL, you're playing every night. You're even sometimes doing a goaltender's job for him. You're blocking shots, sacrificing your body. You're asked, and I'm not discrediting the goaltender position, but I, I think at times goalies are bailed out a little bit more than maybe an 82 game player. Because if a goalie lets in three goals in the first period, you get pulled. Like you don't really see NHL players get benched that often where if you're having a bad night, you still got to go out there and play like like a goaltender. If you're not on your best game, a, a coach can read that and make a change where to me, it's a little bit different. But when you have an elite goalie, yes, the Connor Hallibucks of the world, I think his eight point five million dollar contract is a perfect number. Bobrovsky's number is too high for what he's done in his career under that contract. Yes, he took that team to the Stanley Cup final last year, but has he been worth, you know, the double digit number? Probably not. I think 8.5 for a guy like Hellebuck is perfect. I'm trying to think of other goalies like, uh, you know, Shesterkin, you know, if, if Shesterkin was making 8.5 right now, I think people would have something to say about it. That's for sure. Um, you know, I think 
goalie is obviously important, but a team is only right, as well, good as me, their blue line. Let blue me, line's let me more ask, important. I, I, listen, I'm all about building from the blue line. I, I think yeah. the only way to win a Stanley Cup is, is to truly build in the blue line. But let me ask you this question, Johnny. Who are the top four defensemen on the New York Rangers? Give me a list one through four. Jacob Truba, Keandre Miller, and no order. Uh, no, no, Adam I Fox. want them in order. It, it, it's okay. important that you give it in order. Okay. To me, it's Adam Fox. I think Jacob Truba is actually two. He's been playing great this year. Then I'd say Ryan Lingren right now, and then Keandre Miller. Okay. So, so you're sitting here and you're going to tell me your number four defenseman is more important than a goaltender. I mean, that's where you lost me on this a little bit because look, mm -hmm. I, I agree you have to build your back end, but. I also think, look at, look, uh, look, we don't know enough about Aiden Hill yet. We just don't. Okay. We don't know. Just great last night. He, is. he was great last night. I know, but I'm just saying, is he going to be that? I don't know. Look at the previous Stanley cups. Vasilevsky. Okay. He's in the Stanley cup. How many times he's an elite goaltender. All right. Look at what Winnipeg is doing this year with an elite goaltender. Look at what Vancouver is doing this year with a, uh, an elite goaltender or a goaltender who's knocking on the door of being elite, at least, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? With, with Thatcher Demko. I think the reason that this is coming up is because there's not enough really good goaltenders, just like quarterbacks in the NFL. There's 10 teams in the NFL that know who their quarterback are going to be every day. And then everybody else is still kind of trying to figure it out or kind of looking around like how many teams in the NHL that are even doing well right now are still would be open to landing a big time goalie. Probably a lot of them because there's only really 10 of those guys that exist in the NHL. And I think that's why we we're hearing this new crowd of, well, we don't need to pay goaltenders. We don't like that's because you, they don't exist. Not because they don't um, not because that you know, they're not needed because the best teams in the NHL, like right now, who are the best teams in the NHL right now? Um, like, let's just, let's talk about Boston for a second. Mm -hmm. Like to me, Jeremy Swayman is playing like an elite goaltender. He really is every single night. He's playing elite, and his team is following that. The, the Tampa Bay lightning are six, one and oh, in their last seven. And we read Vasilevsky's numbers in those games and his numbers are elite and he's back to being elite. Okay. Those numbers and, and, are elite. Well, I mean, listen, if you watched him play last night and you saw some of the saves that he made, like he, he's an elite mm -hmm. goaltender, man. Listen, we cannot, we're not arguing about Andre Vasilevsky. Like the yeah. guy's elite. I'm yeah. sorry. We're not yeah. arguing about it. No, no, no. Um, I'm just saying those, the last you know, 10, I don't think he's been elite the last. I, I'm just know, saying he, 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 he's, he's an elite goaltender. He's got two mm -hmm. cups to his name. He's got a, a cup finals appearances. Yeah. Like yeah. Bob, Move past Bob that. stood yeah. on his head last year after Alex Lyon, you know, kind of stumbled a little bit after he started and, and then he stood on his head and he, he got through, but then he got out dueled by Aiden Hill in the cup finals. So show me a team that's going to win a Stanley cup without great goaltending. Okay. It's, it's not, it doesn't happen. I can. Who? Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche. Darcy Kemper was, was not, what? Okay. You think All he right. was elite? He, he, no, he no, was not no, elite no. here. They won the Stanley Cup. I, I, okay. Yeah. That's, that's one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't happen often, but it's, it's sorting. It's starting to who trend did they, more. Who did, in that. Beat, who did they beat that year? Do you remember? Oh, that was the year against it. Okay. Were you, did you not know? Were you testing me or, or what? No, I, I couldn't remember who they beat that. Oh, year. Okay. I thought, I thought that was like a mental, 
No, I thought that was like a mental gymnastics kind of. I, I, no, no, no. I could, I'm just saying I, I couldn't remember it. Like we're we're talking about all these seasons here. I, yeah. I just I couldn't remember who they beat. Yeah, no, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, which you know, and it doesn't happen all the time. But when you have the team in front of you that can score goals, that can defend, and that can skate, you know, like. You just need the guy to make the saves. You don't need the well, guy that's going to stand. There's teams that make goaltenders look better the way that they defend it, yeah. the way Vegas defends and does a good job of keeping things around the perimeter. I don't think they give up a lot of grade A when they're playing very well. I think they back pressure really well. I think that allows their their high-end defensive core to kind of stay up and defend rushes better. So, yeah. look, I, I just... The eye test will continue to tell me that it's it's very difficult to win in the NHL without really good goaltending. The game has gotten looser. The game has gotten more about offense. Teams are are trying to outscore their problems. Um, teams are sniffing and cheating for offense all the time. So I, I'm just I'm not ready to jump ship. I think the best way to win in the NHL is with super elite goaltending. That's just that's my opinion. I think D and goaltending uh, will take you farther and, and than anything. And and wow. listen. Just ask the Toronto Maple Leafs who who continue to continue to not you know pay goaltending, continue to not pay a decor, and they continue to sink everything into their forward group, and they continue to lose. Well, first you said goaltending, then you said D and goaltending. So which one's more important? Like, are you would you rather build the blue line, or would you rather have the elite goalie? Like, like which one? If you're going to a seven game series, like which are you taking? Well, why, why, I mean, why can't you have DN goaltending? Well, well, let's, let's think of like an, let me see, like who's an average goalie right now. Let's see. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, perfect example. He's probably, well, he's a little below average right now. I'd say he's having a, a rough year, but you're not winning you put, a Stanley they, cup with him. You're not winning a Stanley cup with him. Where are you winning a Stanley cup with Vitek Vanacek? What team? trying to think of trying to think of a team trying to put them in. I mean, you plug and play them with, with Colorado mate, like maybe Colorado. No. I mean, they're just, they're different. It, I agree. They're different offensively, but like, is he, is he going to bail them out over the course of seven games? It's, it's not going to happen. Aiden Hill bailed Vegas out when he needed to throughout the Stanley cup playoffs. When he played, I know there was, there was some carousel early, but mm -hmm. um, you, you need goaltenders that rise up to the moment you, you do. And maybe it's two guys sometimes. And we've seen that in the playoffs more in the last couple of years. So uh, again, I, I think, I think goaltending is, is very important and show me a team. I'm not saying it's not important. With bad goaltending. Okay. You gave me the one with, with Colorado with Francois mm -hmm. and, um, and, um, Kemper on the blank and Kemper. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, but ultimately, yeah, I, I think, you know, this whole, we don't need goaltending to win. I, let's see how it works out. I, I just, I disagree with it. Ask Carolina how they feel about that right now. I mean, yeah. ask, ask teams that aren't getting saves, how they feel. Ask Toronto, how they feel about that. I also found uh, John Tortorella's comment last week. Very interesting. I don't know if you caught that about the goaltenders. Uh, I think, I think we talked about it on the phone, but um, you know, Torch was asked like, what has changed so much, you know, over the last couple of years with goalies? Cause Marty Rodor played like 78 games in a year. He played 70 plus games in a season, a bunch of times. And Tortorella basically came out and said, we're teaching our goaltenders like to not tough through things or toughen through things. And he maybe talking about all players. We're teaching athletes to be tired. Yeah. That's literally what he said. We're teaching athletes to be tired. I mean, that, that, that was that's exactly what he said. He was talking about goaltending, but then he made mm -hmm. it a bigger thing. He, he said, we are teaching athletes to be tired. And that's why I push my players through things because it helps them develop a skin. So 
Um, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. I, I, I coach young kids. Um, I, I, I work with junior age players all the way down to, you know, U 16s and, and, and U 15s and U 14s, uh, with the New Jersey Titans. And I, I do think some of that stuff has crept in. And I do think guys are more, you know, they're quicker sometimes to, to, to say and talk about that kind of thing where, you know, when, when we were coming through youth stuff, like it was go back out there and suck it up. So it's a, it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a, it's a, it's a change in things. So I I think we could probably yell and scream about goaltending all day. I think at the end of the the year, we'll, we'll visit it as we get closer to the playoffs and we'll see which, which goalies are going to step up and, and, uh, answer the bell and and which aren't um, and and I do believe the team standing at the end will be standing with 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 really good goaltending. Yep, well said, Colby. And before we do finish up today's show, we want to shout out our friend Frank Saravalli, who spoke with Seth Jarvis of the Carolina Hurricanes on his show, Frankly Speaking. So stay tuned for that. That'll come out today. Uh, a great conversation with Seth Jarvis, who's been a phenomenal player for the Carolina Hurricanes, has quite the personality as well. He's been making his rounds in the media, so he's certainly an interesting guy to hear from. And you don't really see a lot of the Carolina Hurricanes do media stuff, so I'm curious to tune into that one. I mean, they've been knocking on the door here for the past couple of years, so uh, that should be a fun conversation to tune into. I wondering if you could give me a word to describe what this Carolina Hurricanes season has been like to this point. Adversity, I think, would be a good one. We've been through a lot of ups and downs so far. We're uh, kind of finally figured it out and, and coming up on the upswing. But we had uh, we had a tough little tough little go there for a while. So Rod Brindamore and company have set the bar really high in terms of expectations for this team. But for the last couple regular seasons, it's kind of mostly been smooth sailing. You mentioned the adversity that you guys got a taste of, especially the first couple months of the season. How do you think you guys handled that? I mean, it's been tough. I think, like you said, it's been smooth sailing. So uh, for me, since I've been here, we've been always really good in the regular season, never really had any hiccups. So this is this is new for me. So it's a learning experience. It's it's not that I've never really been on a team where I've lost as much as we did for that short short amount of time. So it was it was tough. It was it was fun. It was hard. It was, you learned a lot about yourself, learned a lot about the group you have. And I think we came out a lot better for it. I think it's obviously better to go through that kind of stuff earlier in the season than later. But uh, I think it all, it made us stronger and brought us closer together as a group. Do you think there's been a difference in the last couple of weeks? Is it as simple as, you know, obviously there's a team effort, but you get some saves as well um, that might've helped put you guys in a different direction or you guys, do you think you're playing the same? What's changed? I think it's more desperation. I think we, like we, you lose all those games. Our division's so tight, the league's so good that everything kind of switches so quickly that we kind of fall behind the eight ball a little bit. So it's been a whole lot of desperation to kind of claw our way back into where we are now. And I think as long as we don't lose that, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be, uh, we'll be all right to finish it out. The audio for that uh, show will drop today, wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see the entire interview uh, video included, that'll be on the DFO YouTube page tomorrow um, under the frankly speaking show. Frank obviously does such a great job with those interviews and, and, um, Seth Jarvis, a guy like you said, he, he, he generally has some pretty good personality. I know when, when these guys get into these one-on-one situations, a lot of them kind of shut it down a little bit and they don't want to show any too much personality because they're worried, you know, they're going to get shit from their teammates. I think we, we kind of see that time and time again, Johnny. So, um, 
let's talk about tonight. A couple of games, uh, quite a few, actually. A couple of marquee games I think the, we'll probably have our eyes on tonight. Uh, I think anytime the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing hockey right now, I think a lot of people are tuning in. Uh, Sam Sonoff is going to get the start again. Played very well the other night. I'm sure Leafs Nation is, you know, we're all set now back on this uh, run to the cup now that Sam Sonoff got that one really good start in and they've got him and Martin Jones. I think Ryan Reeves is probably going to come back into the lineup. There's been a lot of talk about him. Is he injured? Is he not injured? Were they holding him out? It's kind of interesting to see how that whole media swirl happened, Johnny. But, um, you know, a couple other good ones tonight as well. Boston, Carolina. You know, we just heard from Seth Jarvis there on on that snippet from Frankly Speaking. Um, the Bruins have, have, have become a little bit of a juggernaut as of late. So this is this is certainly going to be a, a, a test of will between Boston and, and Carolina. Yeah, a lot of games to watch. I'll probably be tuned into the TNT game as well, that Boston-Carolina game, and then... Uh, the Blackhawks Kraken, Frank Sarabelli, our good friend, did just announce that the Blackhawks did extend Peter Mrazek to two years, $4.25 million per year. So congrats to Peter Mrazek on the extension. And uh, yeah, those are the, the games I'll probably be watching. I'm not going to watch the Maple Leafs game because I don't want to be dealing with our producer Vic all night. So I'll, uh, I'll probably shut my phone off for that one. But uh, yeah, Bruins Carolina should be a good one, a big game for both teams. And um, yeah, a lot to look forward to tonight. So um, that's all I really got today, Colby. Anything you want to finish off with here for today's show? Nope, nope. Uh, I think we we covered a lot today. Once again, we we apologize about the Shane Pinto thing. Obviously, I think uh, we're all disappointed we couldn't make that one work out. We will try to get him back on the show sooner than later. Um, like we said, he is Johnny's good buddy. Um, they're both Long Island boys, and. Uh, you know, we'll, we will make that happen for you at some point. So, so stay tuned, stay with us. Don't forget to like and subscribe the Daily Faceoff YouTube page. They're turning out tons and tons of content between this show, uh, the Daily Faceoff Live every day at noon, which features Frank Saravalli and and Tyler Remchuk. There's podcasts. Um, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of content to digest. So we appreciate you sticking with us today, and we will see you tomorrow at 9 a.m.